Welcome to the Cheryl Broderson Podcast, encouraging and equipping you through the study of God's Word. This is a podcast taken from the Joyful Life Bible Study at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. I never do this, but I'm going to do something. I'm going to break tradition. I'm going to tell you what the title of this message is, because I'm really excited about the title. It's called Grace Will Get Us There. Grace will get us... That's so sweet, Kathy. You even knew the title already. <laughs> She's a plant. You know, I have to pay her for those. No, I... She's just a sweetheart. Some of you, in fact, probably all of you know the song Amazing Grace, right? It was published in 1779. It was written by a former slave trader who became an ardent abolitionist and a pastor after he was saved. Interestingly enough, um, this former slave trader's song is the number one song played in the African-American churches. Is that just so God? Is so transforming to work, but it traces the different and varied power and nuances of grace in his life. And I know that we all are familiar with the first line, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And we are here because we know the saving grace that saves rebels and enemies and the undeserving. But it's the third stanza that I want to talk about this morning. Twas grace, um, sorry, through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. Twas grace that brought us safe thus far, and grace will lead us home. We're here by grace. You know, once you get saved, the grace doesn't stop. We're reading um, John 1 on Sunday mornings, and I love that part of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace, or grace for grace. The grace just keeps coming. It doesn't stop just because we're saved. Somehow, sometimes we get in our mind, God saved us, and now it's up to us to do Christianity or to do this right. He brought us this far. Now it's up to us to get to heaven. No, it's up to God's grace. It's his grace that will bring us through every danger, every toil, every trap in this world, and then lead us safely to our ultimate home. Is it any wonder then that Paul would exhort Timothy to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus? You know, sometimes we lessen grace and we think of it as just the attitude that we're supposed to have towards lost humanity. Like, okay, I'll be patient, I'll be nice, I'll be gracious. We think it's just this attitude, or we think it's acceptance. Or some people even think that it's, um, it's the ability to sin without uh, recrimination. It's, it's, it's not just an attitude, and it is definitely not um, permission to sin. It's even more than just the power of God exercised to save us. Grace is God's sufficiency for every deficiency. Every deficiency. 
God's sufficiency for every deficiency. It doesn't matter what the deficiency is. There is a sufficient grace that has come to us through Jesus Christ and by Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ for whatever that deficiency is that we are facing. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, when Paul was bemoaning his thorn in the flesh, God spoke to him and said, Paul, my grace is sufficient. We have this idea in our mind that we, we say things like, Lord, if I didn't have this, I could serve you so much better. You know, there's that this. Lord, if I didn't have this backache, Lord, if I didn't have this issue, if I didn't have this husband, if I didn't have this house, if I, if, if I didn't have this, I could serve you so much better. Or we have the other extreme. Lord, if I had this, Lord, if I had more money, I could serve you so much better. You know, like you could say, Lord, if I didn't have these wrinkles, I could serve you so much better. You know, or Lord, if I, you know, I had my youth back or energy, I could serve you so much better. I say that a lot when I'm watching my two-year-old grandson. Lord, if I had more energy, I could be such a better grandmother to this little guy. But Paul knew what it was to be insufficient, to be deficient. And he knew what it was like to have grace come in and fill up that absence, that debt, that place of emptiness. Paul knew what it was to be compelled and empowered by grace. In his letters, Paul had given Timothy some pretty tough assignments. Perhaps you remember, he was to be the pastor of the church in Ephesus. And by reminder, Ephesus was a volatile city. And the people of Ephesus were both idolatrous and into the occult. Then Timothy was to correct those in the fellowship who were causing disputes by giving heed to conspiracy theories and fables and endless genealogies. Not only that, but Paul instructed Timothy to raise up leaders and elders, and that was a pretty tough criteria of what he was to look for. He needed to deal with the issue of the widows in the church, a touchy, touchy issue. And not only that, but Timothy himself had health issues. Timothy, therefore, would need to be strong in the grace that was in Christ Jesus. Paul, Timothy also needed to be strong because Paul's death was imminent by condemnation. It's one thing to be friends with somebody who's dying of cancer, and that's hard. But it's worse when somebody is condemned and a prisoner and going to an unfair, unjust death. There's just something about trying to be strong when everything in the world seems wrong. You know what I mean? Everything is just wrong. This, This shouldn't be happening. This is not right. God, he serves you. It could have been so disillusioning for Timothy. How could God allow one of his greatest servants, Paul, who had established and 
the churches and promoted the gospel and brought probably thousands of people to Jesus Christ. How could God let him be unjustly arrested, unjustly slandered, unjustly condemned to death by, of all people, Nero, like the worst, most immoral despot in the world. In fact, it was said of Nero that he hung around a gang and they would go out at night and if they found anybody alone, that they would take that person and torture them for hours before killing them. He did that as an emperor. And it's this emperor that is condemning a godly man. It's not right. It's not fair. Timothy would need to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He would no longer be able to depend on Paul for instruction, leadership, or guidance. Timothy would need to be strong in the grace. Not strong in the law of God. Not strong even in the instructions that Paul gave him. But he needed to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus because grace will fill every deficit. Now, in speaking of grace, Paul said, in Christ Jesus. Why? Jesus is our source of grace. This is where we go for grace. He gives us that grace that we need for any and every occasion that arises in life. I love 2 Corinthians 9, 8. We were talking earlier, and in, in, I get to go to a discussion group too, which I love. talk too much, but I still love it. I'm the one in the group that talks too much. You know that one? It's me. I try to be quiet. I tell myself, you're going to be quiet today. It never works. I just don't have the grace to be quiet yet. I've got to seek it more in Christ Jesus. But I love that scripture where it says, he is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you might have all sufficiency for every good work. He's able to make it abound. Don't you like things that abound? I mean, as long as it's not calories. Don't you like things that abound? Like abundant entrances abound? All grace abound. Like come to you in bucketfuls. He is able to make all grace abound towards you. And then, of course, we know Hebrews 4.16 that we come boldly to the throne of grace, that we might find mercy and grace to help in the time of need. It's right there waiting for us at any time through Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, our source. God's grace would empower Timothy with all the power, fortitude, wisdom that he would need. In 2 Timothy 2, verses 2 through 10, Paul expounds on the ways in which Timothy would need to call on the grace of God. First, he would need God's grace so that he could pass on the things that he had heard and learned from Paul. He would need to remember all that he had heard and learned. Don't you find that remembering takes grace? 
I mean, I, I find myself calling my children by the wrong names. And I've, you know, I've known my daughter, Kristen, for 40 years. You know what the worst is? When you call your youngest by your dog's name, they do not like that. Do you do that? Did anyone else go through all the names when you're looking at one of your kids? Like, I know you're not Kristen. I know you're not Brady. Oh, you are Brady. You know, you're, you're going through the list. He would need grace to remember. Don't you love that? You know, I say sometimes, Lord, I've lost my car keys. You know everything. You know my down city and my uprising. You're acquainted with all my ways. Will you tell me where I put them? And he always does. He is so faithful. But he would need to remember all. Now, I think Paul talked a lot. Paul says, remember all that I told you. You're like, did you tell me something? Did you ever have that? Like, remember what I said? You said something, Brian, and I know it was really edifying. And I, it was so good. Mm. He would need to remember all that he had heard and learned. He would need to pass those lessons on and in order to faithful men. Faithful men. How was Timothy to know who was faithful and not faithful? He would need grace. He would need grace to discern who the faithful men were. Men that would listen. Men that would treasure it. Men that would hold fast to it, and men who would pass it down to others. But committing it to others, just that act of committing all the things that Paul had said and all that Timothy had learned about God, committing it, teaching it, imparting it to others would take grace, not only to teach it, but you know, it takes an atmosphere of grace for someone to receive instruction. I don't receive instruction if somebody is arrogant. I'm too busy thinking about how arrogant they are. You know, if somebody's like, you know, I hate finger-pointing Bible studies. You and you and you and you need this and you need that. I do not like those Bible studies. But when the pastor gets up there and says, don't we all need grace? I'm like, you're my buddy. You're my friend. I will listen. When I feel loved, I will listen. But when I feel that there's competition, when I feel that there's another spirit, I won't listen. I won't receive. But the atmosphere of grace, like the atmosphere of grace, like teaching Sunday school, when you ask a question, and the kids get it wrong, you don't go, you weren't listening. No, you go, that's a really great answer. But Disneyland was not the answer I was looking for. (laughs) And you lead them to the right answer because you want them to keep talking. You want them to keep listening and and answer you back and and learn. And so you're, you're working with them. The atmosphere of grace will draw you out. So... You're never afraid someone's going to go, that was a stupid answer. You're not afraid of being demeaned or humiliated by asking a question. Did you ever have one of those teachers that you were so afraid to ask a question? I did. Mrs. Tuttle. She was so scary. I still remember her. It was second grade. She was terrifying. You would ask a question, she'd be like, I mean, just, you know, you never knew if she was going to say, good question, or 
you stupid idiot, I just said that 10 minutes ago, weren't you listening? And so I never asked questions. I was too scared. And I didn't do well in second grade. By the time I was in third grade, I loved that teacher. She was so nice, they wanted to skip fourth grade with me and put me right in fifth. It was the teacher. It was the teacher. It was not my smartness. The teacher had such grace and fun in the classroom. I was willing to listen and learn. Grace puts a learning environment, grace and love. We need grace so we can give grace. We need grace so we can act in grace. We need, don't, we need an environment in our houses of grace. We need a grace environment that people don't come in and go, oh, do I have to take off my shoes? Oh, I see your floors are clean. Are you sure you want me? You're like, ah, it's grace. Can't you see my grandkids have already been in here? Everything's wrecked in my house. There's already a hole in something, somewhere, any place. Just don't look closely. But you're welcome in at any time. An atmosphere of grace is the best atmosphere to learn in. So Timothy would need to be strong in the grace of God so he could remember, so he could discern, so he could commit. Timothy would need grace to endure hardship like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Grace helps us to endure. We get through hardship. Again, like the song said, through many dangers, toils, and snares. Paul knew what hardship was, and he did it. He endured by the grace of God. This is the voice of experience that is talking to Timothy. Have you ever had one of those days that you didn't know if you were going to make it through? Ever have one of those days where you're looking at your week and you're like, Lord, I don't know if I can make it this week. I don't know. I, I've had weeks where I didn't know if I could get out of bed or put one foot in front of the other. I didn't know. I've had, I remember um, having surgery, and they come into your room and they say, okay, it's time to stand up. You're like, no, no, I'm not supposed to stand up. I just had surgery. Yep, it's time to stand up. No, 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 no. Yes, and walk. No, I don't, I'm, did you see what surgery I had? I I'm, I'm, think I'm supposed to be in bed for like a month, and you're just supposed to feed me. And they're like, nope, you're, you're going to get up and walk. And then, you know, you're walking with your liquids, right? Your the, the fluids that are going in your body. I call that a thing that you have to walk around with Norman. And so, you know, you have to walk around with Norman everywhere you go. And they're like, nope, you can, you can do this. And you just need grace. You need grace. Recovery takes grace. I've had so many times. I, I remember after my dad died, I was like, Lord, I'm not going to make it through this day. I don't, I don't know how. I don't know how I'm going to make it through tomorrow. I, I don't know how to do life without my dad. I've never had to do life without my dad. He's always been this constant. And then with my, my mom, when she was getting um, sicker and when she was moved to Oceanside, I don't know how I'm going to do life without my mom, without being able to call. But grace comes in. The grace of Jesus Christ comes in and fills those deficits. I've had sometimes so much pressure on me to write and to um, get deadlines. And you're thinking, I can't make this deadline. I, I just had that with taxes. Lord, 
I even have somebody that helps me with my taxes, and I'm always dreading taxes. I'm always afraid Uncle Sam is just after me for something. There's a grace that comes through Jesus Christ that puts you on autopilot. All I know is that it, I'm, not, I'm not doing it. It's Jesus doing it through me. It's Jesus hugging people that have said horrid things about me. It's Jesus telling them that, they, that I love them. It's Jesus. He's doing through me and using my body as a weapon of righteousness, as Paul says in Romans chapter 6, to work his work and all I've done was strengthen myself in the grace, knowing that God can do what Cheryl can't do. God is not limited. He can still do it, move my limbs, giving me the right words to say, speaking through me. God's grace will get us through hardship. Grace would keep Timothy from getting entangled in the wrong battles or struggles. A good soldier doesn't get entangled with the minutia of civilian life. A good soldier is always seeking to please his company's commander. So grace reminds us that our allegiance is owed to the great grace giver, Jesus. Remember Paul had told Timothy, Timothy, do not get entangled with those conspiracy theories and those fables and those endless genealogies. Don't, don't, get, it, don't get involved in that kind of stuff. Stay away from it. So grace would keep us aligned in our allegiance to Jesus. Timothy would need grace to continue to heed the instruction of the Lord, verse 5. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Timothy would need endurance, perseverance, discipline, and spiritual exercise. And anyone who's done an exercise class knows this takes a lot of grace. I think I've told you this before. I used to go to the hardest exercise class when we lived in Vista with two of my closest friends. Uh, the woman who taught our exercise class had taught Marines in Hawaii on the base. And she did our exercise class. Her name was Ruth. Her husband knew how to, um, he taught the Marines how to kill, murder, you know, take down um, with their bare hands. And he knew 120 ways, at least 120 ways, not to leave your lover, but to get rid of your lover. Um, and I remember she would do this exercise class, and we didn't even know if we were going to make it through. I was in my 20s, and I was just like, no, I was in my 30s, but I was still dying. doesn't matter if I was 20 or 30. I was dying. It was so hard, you know, the things that she made us do. And when we finished it, like, we're done. We're looking at each other. Okay, we probably burned off, like, I don't know, 1,000 calories. What did we do? We went and got sugar-free Sugar-free chocolate mochas, right? Sugar-free, right? Because we're going to be good, right? Sugar-free, non-fat chocolate mochas. And then they would say whipped cream, and we'd say yes. <laughs> but that wasn't the end. There was a place called the Garden of Delights, but we called it the Garden of Grumpy Women because the two owners were grumpy, but they had the best pumpkin scones with caramel sauce. So we would get our mochas, and we would go get them, and we would undo all the exercise, I'd do all of it, like, just, like, let's get those calories back as fast as we can. You know, we need those calories. So, 
Grace. Grace would give him the discipline, the spiritual discipline. Grace would help him to do what he needed to do with his allegiance being first to the Lord. Timothy would need grace to continue to heed um, to to practice what he preached. Timothy would need grace to practice what he preached. Verse 6, the hardworking farmer must be first to partake the crops. In other words, don't give to others what you won't eat yourself. So he was saying to Timothy, practice what you preach, literally. Don't require others to do what you do not practice. If you're not strong in the grace, you can't teach others how to walk in grace. You must be strong in grace. If you preach the gospel, you must live by the gospel. Grace would give Timothy the understanding he would need, verses 7 through 9. Grace is a lens in which to view others. God sees us through grace. The ministry or the call on our lives and how we serve God. Grace is a lens to see our struggles and our circumstances. And grace is the lens by which we should see the Lord through his grace that was demonstrated especially to us through Christ Jesus on the cross. Grace gives us understanding of what is really going on in someone's heart. I've been talking to people that were so um, mean-spirited, and I'm thinking, they are so mean-spirited. And God will say to me, they're hurting, and this is where they're hurting. Tell them you understand. Or I remember one time uh, there was a, a person who was just blowing up, and I just wanted to get away. You know how it is? I just wanted to run the other way. And the Lord said, don't run. They need a hug, and I want you to tell them that you understand their fear. I'm like, they might take me down for that one, Lord. But I did, and all of a sudden they just broke. Their whole demeanor changed. See, God knows what's really going in the heart. This is just a facade. God knows someone's heart. Grace gives us the understanding because grace waits. Grace is saying, what is really going on? Grace gives us understanding what's going on in our own heart. Why do I feel? Why am I acting this way? What is going on? Grace gives us understanding of what's happening in the church. Grace gives us understanding of what's happening in the world. And grace gives us understanding of what is happening in our own circumstances. Grace sees everything through the lens of Jesus, who is qualified as the Messiah, who is of the seed of David, the rightful king of Israel, the conqueror of death, and the whole theme of the word of God and the gospel. This was the lens through which Paul viewed his present circumstances. Verse 9, though he was suffering as an evildoer, falsely accused, associated with criminals, considered a danger to society, chained, he could say, but the word of God was not chained. By grace, he could see that God's word was still at work. 
It's interesting that Paul calls the word of God in Acts the word of grace or the word of his grace. Why? Because it's a grace story from cover to cover. We see that men and women do not deserve the love and the concern and the pursuit of God. God's word, his grace continues to bring comfort no matter what we're going through reminds us that he will get us through, minister to others, and saves life. Speaking of God's word not being chained, I want to read you something that um, I got this book in England years ago. It was, I don't know when it was published because if it goes beyond like, um, like, if it's older than 1920, it won't have a publishing date. But it was given to the person who got the book in 1917. That's all I know, like to so-and-so in 1917. But it's called Bible Wonders. And it's one of my favorite books in the whole wide world. But speaking of the word of God not be, being chained, it gives this illustration. Suppose there should come walking up the aisle of this church a man who had been living for over 1,800 years, nearly twice as long as Methuselah, and suppose we knew of him that he had been cast into the sea many a time, but could not be drowned. He had been thrown to the wild beast, but they never could devour him. He had been made to drink deadly poisons of different kinds, but they never did him any harm. He had been bound with strong chains, locked up in prisons and dungeons, but he always managed to shake off the chains and get out of the dungeons." He had often been hung till his enemies thought him dead, but when they cut him down, he sprung to his feet and walked away again as well as ever. Hundreds of times they had burnt him at the stake till there seemed to be nothing left of him. But the fires were no sooner out than he leaped up from the ashes as well and as strong as he was before. He had been shot at. He had been stabbed, he had been cut into pieces, but the pieces came together again like little drops of quicksilver. His wounds healed up at once, and he was none the worse for all this hacking and cutting. How strange it would seem to look on such a man. Would it not be a great wonder to find him alive and well after all that he had passed through? It would be a wonder indeed. Yet, this is just the way we should feel towards the Bible. This is just the way in which the Bible has been treated. It has been burned and drowned and chained and put in prison and buried alive and torn to pieces and outlawed, and yet it has never, ever been destroyed. Here it is still, the same pure, precious Bible. The word of God is not chained. It's not chained. Paul himself was enabled to dirt all things for the sake of the elect by grace. Those, um, salvation, the elect, those are the ones who would receive salvation. Salvation is in Christ and includes eternal glory. Isn't that incredible? This is where it's going. This is where grace is leading us to eternal glory, just like glory after glory after glory. I mean, just one beautiful sunrise after another. 
glory and glory and glory. Paul mentioned and quotes a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall live with him. If we endure, we shall reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. This is grace. This is grace. If we live with him, if we die with him, we'll live with him. That's grace. If we endure, we'll reign with him. That's grace. But if we deny him, that's the only thing that can disqualify us from this incredible grace that is waiting for us, that will lead us. The only disqualification is if we deny the grace giver. If we turn away from the grace giver, there is no other source of grace. This is grace. If we say, I don't want to drink that, I don't want that, then there is no grace. This is the grace. He gives us eternal life for death. He gives us royalty for enduring by grace. And he remains faithful as do his promises. Even when we are unfaithful, he is still Jesus. He is still the grace giver. I wonder if this is a faithful saying that Paul sang in the Mamertine prison. You know, we know that when he was in prison in Philippi, it was his singing, his praise that was ministering to the prisoners, and that's how they heard the gospel. I believe that even in that Mamertine prison, as Paul is pinning this letter, he's probably singing about the matchless grace of Jesus. No wonder Paul instructed Timothy to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Paul knew it. Paul knew that it was that grace that was sustaining him even in that place and would sustain him even in his execution. It would be God's grace. And we also need to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus Strong in our reliance on God's grace. Strong in our knowledge and acknowledgement of God's grace. Do you know? Are you informed about God's grace? Do you even know what it is? Could you explain it to somebody else? Could you teach it to six-year-olds? That's a big test. Strong in our practice of God's grace. Strong in our exemplifying and living out God's grace. We need to grow crops of God's grace and then feed others the grace of God. It is grace that will pull us through hardship, and as the song says, through many dangers, toils, and snares, you have already come. It's been grace that brought you safely this far, and it will be the same grace that will lead you to eternal glory. So, be strong, strengthen yourself in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, how incredible this concept of grace. How wondrous, how, how unimaginable, how unfathomable that you have this great 
grace for us, toward us, and willing to pour into us. Father, we pray in response to this great grace that you have made accessible to each one of us in Christ Jesus, that we would no longer try to do for you or without you, but we would seek to do it all by the wondrous grace that you have given us through Christ Jesus. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.